the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs. 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, Go to four82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, we survived the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. We are live with the Working Fans Combat Cast. It's the man they call Dave and Chevy Rooney. And we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. Welcome back, Chevy. Tell me what we got coming up. All right, October 29th, UFC Fight Night Cater versus Allen. Also... You know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. That's mm. happening that week as well. Then November 5th, we'll be talking about USC Fight Night. Bryce Mitchell versus To Be Determined currently because Ivalov seems to have pulled out of the fight. They don't have a replacement yet. And then November 12th, we're right back. UFC 281, Adesanya versus Piera at the MSG card. So we're looking forward to that one. Oh, yeah. Super excited. I'll get together with you guys for that one. Yep. We discussed this weekend. I will not be able to. So sad. But I'll be eating some turkey legs. Anyway, uh, let's talk about some MMA news. Hit me what you got. All right. So Dana White says Alexander Volkanovsky is looking to move up to fight the champ, whoever that will be after this weekend at lightweight. What do you think about this, him getting a shot to be the double champ? So it's funny because we talked about this not too long ago. You would ask me about, you know, who would you see as the backup? And it was between him or Darius. And I was saying that, you know, Darius really, Darius really deserves it. But I'm very curious to see what Volkanovski could do at lightweight, given his success at featherweight. When I saw this, it was interesting because I was like, you know what? When I really think about it, because, like, I like the guy enough, but he's not one of my all-time favorites or anything. But if I'm really fair and balanced about this, he's beaten the best of the best at featherweights. Like, even if you look at those early Holloway fights, which one of them was super close and we thought Holloway won, and the other one was still close, and you could add it, like, the last time he definitely did win. So this is a guy who's continuing to improve his game. Holloway continues to improve his game. Ortega continues to improve his game. And what does he do? 
he still finds a way to beat all those guys. Winners find a way to win. John Jones, not a fan of him, but he always found a way to win. Even on off nights, he'd find a way to win. Anderson Silva, same thing. These guys always find a way to win. So he's got a championship mentality, which was very evident when Ortega caught him in that choke. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it'd be, you know, bringing that against a guy like Charles Oliveira, assuming, you know, he walks out champ or whoever. It's interesting. I think Dana's right. I think we have to say at this point, you beat Max for the belt and you win two rematches and you beat Ortega and dominate the Korean zombie. Like, yeah, you're the guy right now. So why not? Yeah, I'm not opposed to Volkanovski getting a title shot either. I do think if Dariush wins this weekend, he should get a shot first. I don't think that is what will happen. Who do you think he matches up against better, Makachev or Oliveira? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I didn't think about that when you were asking, but it's kind of like I started to play that out of my mind. Yeah, definitely can't wait for this fight this weekend to find out. I'll say Oliveira. It's funny because I think Charles Oliveira is the more dangerous fighter and i think that he's more of a problem for anybody but because of the way charles over fights his style he tends to leave himself open. It's not like Charles Oliveira to me is a safe fighter. Whereas somebody like Islam Makhachev might use a style. If he can get him down, you know, he might be able to implement his game plan. That being said, Volkanovski at Featherweight has been a really hard man to take down. So I don't know. It's just going to be interesting. It's really hard to say until we see Volkanovski at lightweight. Yeah, we'll see. I like his chances against anybody. I think he, he provides an interesting fight, assuming that, you know, he brings some of that power, maybe a little more power and he's still quick i think Oliveira is probably the tougher matchup with his ability or his willingness to engage in a war he can you know bait volkanovsky into coming forward he's got those massive long gangly limbs to wrap around yeah. his neck if ortega almost finished him i, I think i would give Oliveira the edge to finish him makachev like you said, I think he would even he would have a hard time taking Volkanovski down. Super great base. Plus, he's he's short for featherweight, so he'll be real short for lightweight. Lower center of gravity, harder to take him down. And Volkanovski would have the striking edge in that fight, I think, too. So I assume we're going to see one of those matchups, though, according to Dana. Yeah. yeah, I would, too. And, I mean, Darius, hats off to him. Hopefully he doesn't get that Tony Ferguson spot where he just keeps winning and winning. And, right. You know, yeah. It's tough, man, because when you do have somebody at featherweight who's cleared out their division at some point if they want to move up i feel like that should be available too but then you got a guy like dariush i mean hey i mean perfect world i'd like to see dariush if he wins you know have him fight volkanovsky and then the winner of that can fight you know yeah, that's actually not a big money fight it's not, you know, it'd be funny though like yeah if dariush's opponent fell out this weekend for some reason and we still had the lightweight title if volkanovsky who's we know is making weight just stepped up and say hey let me have this fight and let me prove that i belong just like that i i bet risky, risky but that would give yeah. him a, i'd get a lot of respect to him if he did that i don't think he would do that but. yeah it's, i don't know if his corner i don't know if his camp would want him to do that either right That's yeah tough, right yeah not not enough payoff risk reward yeah still talking about Oliveira. michael bisping says Oliveira is the lightweight goat currently he's got more ufc wins with twice as many finishes in half the time as khabib so as far as i'm concerned you know, that's a pretty good argument. What do you think about Bisping? No, it really depends on what you like, right? People love to hang their hat on that undefeated record. And Habib did beat the best of the best. I go back to this article. Maybe it was somebody, maybe it was even Chael Sonnen. But, you know, they were talking about how, you know, Chael never pulled out of a fight, really. 
You know, his record wasn't the greatest, right? The Diaz brothers, although they pull out a fight before for like political reasons or whatever, but they never pulled out because they were hurt. Typically, they always fought hurt, right? I remember something Habib said that this was stupid to take fight hurt. I worry about my legacy. So if you're matching up legacy and this undefeated, it really depends on how much that undefeated streak means to you. You know, at some point, the fact that Charles, yeah, he has losses, but he's just improved so much and keeps doing this. That has to take over. As he had the better career yet, it's tough for me to answer. I feel like it's give or take. It's close to me. At the same time, you ask me who's going to win that fight. You know, right? It, it's like, it's funny to say that because like, it's like the way Fabib fights, it's almost like he doesn't allow himself to go into a fight hurt. Mm-hmm. So he's always at his peak. So, okay. So if Charles Oliveira is at his peak, I like Charles Oliveira. I always thought he matched up well with Habib anyway, because I think he's got the slickest submission game, honestly, maybe in the history of USC ever. Like this right. guy, yeah, he was incredible before, before he was as good as he was now, he was still one of the most dangerous submission guys ever. Oh, and by the way, now he's one of the best strikers of all time. And he's got a hell of a chin. Yeah. You know what? Let's see how this fight goes this weekend and let's see what happens. But to me, Oliveira and Habib are like neck and neck. I'm not trying to ride the fence. It's just that, you know, Beeb has had such a great career. But yeah, I, I think Bisping makes a very good point. So I would say a lot of those losses in Charles' career were at featherweight too, before right. he moved up to lightweight. So, you know, we're talking about the lightweight goat. Since he's been at lightweight, he has looked phenomenal and i would argue you know khabib is undefeated but i I would think the competition that charles has faced to get to this belt and you know retain the belt he's fought arguably the harder guys you know khabib fought connor he had some high level fights you know he beat gaethje he beat Poirier. Oliveira beat those guys too and he, yeah. he finished them all. You know, all those finishes, I think, really are, for me, what would give Oliveira the edge at this point. Yeah. But, I mean, again, Habib was able to tap out those guys, too. So those guys, and he was also, in a lot of his fights, a lot more dominant than Oliveira, too. But different fight style, right? Yeah. It's hard it's to say. Tough. It's tough. It's, you know, like, almost apples to oranges because of the fight styles and it's MMA funny. math. But when I was looking at like this fight card, which we'll jump to later, but like there's just people who just win by a lot of decisions sometimes. And it's just the way they fight. It's like there's a safer style fighting. Fans don't always like it, but they're really good at it and they're really good at winning. And since that's the name of the game, it's like you can't really penalize them for either. However, it's like a guy like Charles Rivera, man, like he's still winning fights and he's doing it exciting. So, yeah, I don't know. I like Charles Rivera. I like to say he has the better career, but it's just a tough one at this point. You know, I, I feel like I'm edging towards him, though. I think at this point, he has the potential to pass Khabib for sure. With, yes. You know, maybe a couple more wins. If you yeah. don't think he's there yet, he's right there ready to pass Khabib. Yeah, that's how I feel about it personally. Yeah. I mean, two Hall of Famers for sure. So, yeah. We're talking about the best of the best, but Absolutely. some other news. Alir Latifi is, has been temporarily suspended for admitting in his post-fight interview that he was competing with a staph infection. Obviously you are not allowed to do that because it is incredibly dangerous, especially for your opponent. You know, an open wound, you get staff in, you can lose a limb, you could die. So pretty reckless on his part, but the man's got to get paid. He competed anyway. Hats offered him to suspend him. He admitted in an interview and they took charge and he needed to set an example. <laughs> you know, yeah, it sucks that this guy was in a position where he felt like he had to do this. 
But it's still you're the, the bigger part of that is like you said, yeah, it's very dangerous, but you're also putting your opponent at risk. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he might not care because you know he teased possibly retiring anyway. So what's a suspension to him if he's not going to fight anymore? But you know, props to his opponent. I bet his opponent probably noticed at weigh-ins or something anyway and took the fight anyway. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that. Alexi Olenek has seen staff many, many times with his grappling pedigree, so I'm yeah, sure he wasn't too, too worried about it. <laughs> UFC athletes no longer allowed to bet on UFC fights. UFC athletes or their corners no longer allowed to bet on any UFC fights going forward from here. What are your thoughts on this, Dave? Yes. I want to pull this up. So when you told me about this, to me, yeah, it makes perfect sense. We're trying to make sure that the sport is legitimate and we want to keep it legitimate. So we want to avoid things like this. We want to avoid corrupt judging. This could, I mean, a lot of, if people, you're able to throw a fight and you're able to have people fight, like people can make money off this. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like anything really, like any kind of workplace, a lot of times that if you run like a contest, Typically, it excludes employees. Right. Right. So there's a great video on its MMA on Point YouTube channel. Tommy Toehold does this little mini doc, and it's on the secret world of fixed Japanese MMA fights, where it breaks down some of the promotions that are involved in potential fixed fights. You have comments from people about it, people who didn't want to talk about it. And it's interesting. And it goes in the background of pro wrestling and MMA involved in this and even Brazilian jiu-jitsu and how some of this all ties in. And it's a fascinating look. But at the end of the day, we want to avoid that. Right. It's for sure been an epidemic in Japanese fighting, you know, or promotions in Japan for sure. The UFC is trying to become, you know, if they're not there already, one of those top you know, for the baseball, basketball, football, they want to be right in there with those guys to be legitimate. Obviously you can't, you have to be above board and can't be accused of right. fixing fights. So and to answer Randy Oscar's question, the comment, does the fighters bet on themselves to win? Well, that's kind of a problem. Like, I mean, yeah, but what if they're losing a fight in the middle of it, even if they're trying to win? And, you know, I don't know. Like, at the end of the day, like, who, I don't know. There's too many things that could go wrong and too many shady things that go on with betting the fight. You know, I don't know. I'm not a, I, I'm for it. Yeah. Let's, let's not let fighters bet yeah, on Yeah. Let, let's keep it, you know, above you know suspicion really so if if you don't have the option to bet then you can't be accused of right. throwing a fight in for betting reasons so good on the ufc for doing this probably should have been done a long time ago to be honest but yeah you know they're learning so mm-hmm. one more little piece of news paul felder is replacing joe rogan on the broadcast team with dc and anik for ufc 280 i'll just say real quick you know i am a fan of rogan but not necessarily the dc and rogan together i like to hear the technical breakdown and you know they're a little too buddy buddy not quite as professional as i prefer i'm a huge fan of felder I love when Felder and Bisping are together. I'm always a fan of Anik, so this is a positive move for me. Yeah, it should be fun. They're the best team to have there. You know, I'm right there. Dominic Cruz is another guy who's just so super insightful that I like him as well. I feel like Cruz and Rogan sometimes pull the best out of each other because Rogan can't really, you know, like he if Cruz is going with the breakdown, like Rogan kind of is forced to have to do that too. Yep, yeah, I agree. They they 
complement each other well. It's really just the DC and Rogan right. one that, you know. Sometimes it's, it's great. more on that entertainment than yeah. it does on the yeah. Yeah, technical side. There's just two, you know, that's like us sitting watching the fights, you know. Yeah. We could be doing that commentary, so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's get into last week's fight night, Grosso versus Arroyo. I don't know if there's any particular fights you wanted to go through. If not, I'll just cruise through some of the, you know, notable ones. Yeah, cruise through the notable ones. That's fine. So on the prelims, Mike Jackson versus Pete Rodriguez, that led off the card. And what you said was going to happen, they were going to set him up for failure and send him on his way. The first part of that has definitely happened with a brutal knee KO. Do not look for him to get back. (laughs) I don't, I don't. Mike Jackson, if you ever catch this, we're happy to have you on the show, man. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, bro. <laughs> yeah, and then also was originally a prelim, but because a fight fell out, this fight got moved to the main card. But Rafael Asuncao versus Victor Henry. Asuncao proved me wrong, went out and got the win after I believe it was four in a row that he had lost. Yeah, uh, somewhere around that. So only good on him. Though. Yeah, so. yeah, close fight, but. Good on us on Sally. Look great. Let's move on to the main card. Yes. So, Sirkinov versus Menafield. What did you think about that one? I didn't even get a chance to see this fight. So, no, no. <laughs> so <laughs> Alonzo, Alonzo, this is what I thought was going to happen when we talked about uh, it. So, Alonzo Menafield clipped Sirkinov early and knocked him out. I would assume that Misha is probably near the end of his career, if not his MMA career, definitely his UFC career. He's had a tough go as of late for sure. So I actually did pick this one too, I believe. And we were just talking about this. But yeah, <laughs> you made me like, oh wait, I forgot. Who <laughs> uh, did win? It was Metafield. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we had Jordan, the Beverly Hills Ninja versus Dusko Todorovic. You know, Dusko got that second round ground and pound finish. Did you see any of this one? No, the only one I actually saw like like was the end of the co-main event and a little mm-hmm. bit at the end of the main event. Well, it was pretty back and forth fight. It's just a tough, another tough matchup for Jordan Wright. Dusko's great fighter. He's got Got a good promising career in the UFC ahead of him, so good for him going forward. Yeah. You know, and then the the fight that got dropped, Askar Askarov versus Brandon Roy Val, who's a very disappointing for me. This was going to be my fight of the night. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully they get that one rescheduled. I don't know why they couldn't, you know, get another Bantamweight in there. You know, they're all in the crowd or whatever, but mm-hmm. couldn't get another Bantamweight for Brandon Roy Val. Hopefully they can reschedule this one for, you know, in the near future. And then we move on to Cub Swanson versus Jonathan Martinez. Cub moving down a Bantamweight, which he, he's been at featherweight for a long time you know and he he got finished via leg kick yeah i was just i don't want to take away from cub i was super impressed with jonathan martinez here i felt the same way i got he looks really good and i felt like i underestimated him and i'm kind of excited to see what he does at bantamweight now in an already loaded division yeah again jumping ahead a little bit here but like one of the bantamweight fights this weekend sean o'malley who's getting a Big leap in competition against Adrian Beyond. Imagine if, you know, he fought a guy like Jonathan Martinez. I don't feel like that would be a fight. You know, I mean, O'Malley, obviously, because he's got the charisma, he's got himself in a better position. But, like, I feel like a guy like Martinez, like, I feel like he matches up with a guy like O'Malley. I'd be interested in seeing that fight after what we saw. Right. I'll talk a little bit about this later on. But Adrian Yanez is a UFC bandweight who I always wanted to see fight O'Malley. You know, he got passed up 
for this Peter Yan fight, but we'll talk yeah. about that later. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree with you. I thought Jonathan Martinez technically was the far superior fighter. I thought he would be better technically, but he just was excellent. And he really picked Cub apart, made Cub look very slow, but props to Cub for being tough, especially, you know, he took a lot of those leg kicks before that one that finished him. You know, oh, yeah. Tough guy. So another notch in Jonathan Martinez's belt to be able to finish someone as tough as Cub especially via light kick. Absolutely. Main event, Grasso versus Vivian Arroyo. Fight was much more exciting than I thought it would be. We did get the decision that I thought would happen. Yeah. Grasso moves forward and Vivian's got to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, as long as Valentina is still the women's flyweight champ, like it's really tough for any of these girls. Like, like I like to think like, what's next for him? And I'm like, hopefully not the champ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So let's move on to what we're all super yes. excited for though. UFC 280, Oliver versus Makachev. That is a main, main card starts at 2 PM Eastern. So yes. thank, thank you, Dana, for that. Now, um, any Freedom fights you want to throw here? Yeah, it's actually super stacked from you know the beginning of the fight card to the end, but I'll just highlight a couple prelims, especially this Vulcan Ozdemir versus Nikita Krylov fight. Vulcan's been super inconsistent lately. I see Krylov exposing his grappling weakness. You know, he'll stay with the stand up for a little while, make him think he's gonna stand up, then get a takedown, and he'll finish Vulcan. On the ground, I'll say uh, submission in round two. Interesting. Now, it was a couple of years ago, I think we would have definitely probably gone for Vulcan maybe in this too, right? I mean, because Vulcan had that streak there for a while where he laid a couple people out and everything. He put an end to that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he kind of gave the blueprint. <laughs> yeah. Another one, the featured bout on the prelims. Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady. Sean Brady's undefeated. He's 15-0. and 0. Bilal yeah. has been my dark horse for the welterweight division for sure. So Bilal's a such a great wrestler. And I heard that he's gonna have Khabib in his corner for this. He's been working with Khabib lately. So really? you know, his wrestling's gonna be even better. Interesting. But Brady's super dangerous with the grappling. He has great jujitsu. And I assume Brady's gonna try to keep it standing because he definitely has the edge in striking and then looking to snatch Bilal's neck when Bilal eventually goes for a takedown. Bilal will be looking to pressure him up against the cage and work the clinch. I really I'm a huge fan of both guys, but definitely the bigger fan of Bilal. So I might be picking with my heart, but I think Bilal takes Sean Brady's O. You know, gives him that 15 and one. Uh, I'll say with Khabib's help and Bilal's fight IQ, he'll get a decision win. I mean, Brady's got a victory over Michael Chiesa in his last mm -hmm. fight, too. Mm -hmm. Chiesa, that was his first loss at welterweight. So it is interesting to see how Brady does here. This is, I would say, Brady's biggest step, step up in competition, though. For sure. Yeah. I don't know. I like Muhammad, too, just because he's been through, you know, like all the top fighters, fought everybody. So and if he's working with Habib, too, that's only going to make him even more dangerous. So it will be interesting to see how this goes down. I wouldn't be mad if Brady won. I wouldn't mind, you know, that new because now we're talking about a 16-0 guy who has a win over, you know, Bill Muhammad, Muhammad, too. So he starts to look even more interesting in that division if that happens. But, He's a great matchup against a lot of those top-level guys, too. The Han, Hamzats and Colby yeah. Covingtons and all them. Great matchup. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. All right, let's move on to the main card. Speaking of decision fighters, Caitlin yes. Chikagan versus Menon Fyro. It's a French name. I, I've never heard anyone say it before. I know she's number six in the mm -hmm. flyweight division, but... 
never heard anyone say her name, so forgive me. <laughs> about her when I, I looked it up, though, she's nine and one. She's won nine in a row. She lost her first fight, and she has not looked back. Like and, Cyborg. Yeah. Was it? That's like Cyborg. Cyborg oh, lost Cyborg. her yeah, first yeah, fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you fight Cyborg. But she also has like six knockouts, mm-hmm. which is very impressive for you know a lighter weight in the women's division, too. So... I like her in this fight. I'm curious to see how she does. That being said, Caitlin, 18 and four, four fight win streak. And we talked about it earlier about people who just know how to win by decision. She's one of them. 15 decision wins. She's good at being a great all around fighter. Not very exciting, but does what she has to do to win. I like this girl. Be excited. This other girl should be excited if she wins, especially with all those knockouts. But I just feel like this is where Caitlin's like all the time we see this and she's like, oh, you're a prospect. That's cool. I'm going to beat you (laughs) because I'm not good enough to be Valentina, but I'm going to make sure none of you else get there either. Yeah. 18 wins, 15 decisions. Incredible stat. Impressive to be in that many fights and not be finishing opponents. So it's a lot of octagon time for her. I hope she gets finished, but I'm going to go with Caitlin by decision because the same reasons you said, she just seems to finish pros- finish these fights against prospects on the winning end. Also, a little known fact for you, Caitlin Chikagan is my wife's least favorite fighter. Oh, yeah. She goes, huh, every time <laughs> she throws a strike, and my <laughs> wife hates that. So shout out to my wife. Shout out to his wife. Yeah, she does not like that. (laughs) (laughs) So we're moving on. We talked about Benil Dariush before. He's got a tough fight ahead of him against Mateus Gamrot. Yes. What do you think about this one? Mateus, 21 and 1. He's won four in in a row after he lost his debut in the UFC. Mm -hmm. Seven KOs, five submissions, nine decisions. Dariush, we know, is like one of the elite. So I got Dariush in this all day, but it's a dangerous fight, you know? Yeah, I like Dariush. I'll say Dariush gets it. Rear naked choke, round two. And there we go. We're hating on <laughs> hating on blonde girls. Is that her name, by the way? Blonde, blonde fighter. Blonde fighter, yeah. That's her nickname, blonde fighter, yeah. Yeah, I bet she doesn't like that either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Benil's got seven wins in a row. It's a shame that he hasn't gotten a title fight at this point. Like we talked about, you know, Gamera has looked a beast after stumbling in that first fight in the UFC. But I'm going to go with Dariush because I pick fights with my heart, <laughs> number one, and also strength of schedule. But I, I expect this to be a very exciting back and forth fight. You know, we're spoiled on this card for sure. On most other cards, I would say this could be a fight of the night contender, but... With some of these other fights, I think it's going to be tough to get those honors. But I'll go with Dariush. I'll say a decision, but very exciting decision. Okay. All right. So we're we're moving on to Peter Yan versus Sugar Sean O'Malley. Hmm. Huge jump in competition. What do you got? Sugar Sean, 15, 1 and 1, 11 KOs, 1 sub, 3 decision. Yan, 16 and 3, 7 KOs, 1 submission, 8 decisions. Jan's one of those guys, he's just great all around. I think he is just better than O'Malley, quite frankly. It's not a knock on Sean O'Malley. I think O'Malley is a guy that continues to make improvements. I think this is just too big of a leap right now. That being said, if Jan decides to just strike with O'Malley, I could see this being fun and a little dangerous. But my guess is if he starts to get caught, 
he's going to take him down and ground and pound him. And O'Malley, I mean, Jan just doesn't really stop. He constantly goes forward. O'Malley's a good counterpuncher. Like, if you're going to put, like, him in there against a guy that's probably one of the top, like, stylistically, I can see where the U.S. thinking, like, oh, okay, he's got the potential for an upset here. So the old puncher's chance, if you will. Mm-hmm. But that's what it is. I got Jan, ground and pound, round two. Yeah, so we're going to see if Sean's the real deal. It's a huge step up in competition. I challenge uh, any casual fan to name one of his previous opponents outside of Pedro Munoz, who he finished with an eye poke. So, (laughs) yeah, so so Sean has great takedown defense. I assume Jan's going to have the speed advantage. But ultimately, I think if O'Malley doesn't KO him in the first round when uh, Jan is, you know, typically a slow starter he's you know downloading the data like like floyd yeah. does in his oh, yeah. fights if he doesn't catch him with something then i think jan's gonna work leg kicks and work to the clinch and be tenacious and eventually he will get sean down and will finish him via ground and pound i think the fact that this is a three-round fight is an advantage for o'malley but ultimately i don't think it'll be enough of an advantage so i'm gonna go with jan I'll say ground and pound round two as well. Let's move on. Co-main event for the Bantamweight title. Aljamain Sterling, the champ, versus TJ Dillashaw. Aljamain Sterling, 21-3. Seven-fight win streak. Great all-around. Got the title by disqualification, but then came back and did what he had to do to beat Jan and looked like even more improved fight. He's Amazing. always a guy who's improving. Yeah. TJ Dillashaw, before he went on his suspension, was arguably the best. I mean, he was the best bandwagon in the world. He was the champ. This bandwagon division has gotten nothing but better and better. Dillashaw comes out after being gone for a couple of years and beats Corey Sanhagen in a dogfight that went back and forth. He got it done. My only concern here with Dillashaw is that he had all that time off. He comes back. He has that crazy fight, but he gets banged up. And now he hasn't fought in over a year again. So it's not that Sterling's been super, super active either, but definitely more active. If we have the Dillashaw of old, if he's continued to make improvements, I like him. I like him here. I like him to get a finish. I like it late. My guess is round four or five, but he'll finish him. If he's, you know, hindered in any way, and I can see Sterling getting a decision or even getting a rear naked or something late in the fight. But I'll go with TJ. I'm going to say rear naked choke round four. And I'm guessing Sterling's probably the favorite here, right? Slight favorite. I would assume so. Slight favorite. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about the ring rust aspect for TJ. I know he has been out for a while, but he is notorious for the way that he trains. So I think, you know, like Dom says, if you're if you're training properly and you're in the right headspace we know how much of a savage tj dillashaw is i don't think that's gonna affect him too too much especially since he was able to come back against the likes of Corey sandahagen and you know squeak out a victory over him so as far as the matchup with aljo tj's he's better technically i think in every aspect of mma but aljo is super athletic and very creative but I think he's going to have to catch TJ in some sort of scramble or else he's going to get KO'd. I I think TJ's very good at setting up traps with his striking. He'll be able to counter wrestle and 
and keep it on the feet if he wants to. Maybe mix in a couple takedowns of himself. And his fight IQ will keep him safe when he is on the ground. So I'm going to say TJ catches him with like a head kick or something when Aljo starts to tire from... Because Aljo's going to try to take him down like a hundred times. He's going to get tired. So I'll say later on, round four, TJ catches him with like a head kick or something. Okay. So let's move on to the main event. Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev for the lightweight title. Yep, the vacated lightweight title. Charles did have trouble with weight last time. That is the only one thing. Uh, hopefully that will not be an issue this time. Charles is 33, 8-1, 9 KOs, 21 subs, 3 decisions. Just not a lot of decisions with this guy. He is a bonus machine. He's always in these great fights, and he always finds a way to win, and he comes out on top. Islam Makachev, though, 20-1, 4 KOs, 10 subs, 8 decisions. 10-fight win streak. Only loss. In his second fight in the UFC, he got caught against Adriano Martins, who has went on to not win a fight in his last six fights. So I'm going to chalk that up as Islam got caught and he just had an off day because to me, he's clearly the superior fighter there. So for all intents and purposes, this guy's never really, I think, met somebody who's just a better fighter outright than him. That being said, he had an off night. And our boy Charles Alvera knows how to make people have an off night. So I think it'll be an interesting fight. I think when they trade, you know, the more I think about this, Islam's not afraid to go to the ground, right? And maybe that's where it'd be most interesting. But I think he's going to try to have, he's going to try to strike with Charles. I think that's where the problem starts to be. Because to me, I think even though Charles is capable of tapping him out anywhere, Islam's wrestling is so good. I think it's interesting. I don't think it gives him the edge. I still pick Charles, but I think that's where the fight gets interesting. I don't think he can hang with Charles over in striking. I think Charles' striking is just so gotten so unbelievable good, so top-notch. I don't think this is going to really go to the ground unless Charles chases him after the ground. And if Charles is chasing him after the ground, Charles is going to tap him out, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I got Charles in this. I don't know if this gets out of the first round. I'll say it's round two. I think it's going to I think it's going to be a dogfight for those two rounds, but it's going to be mostly Charles putting it on him. I I like I think stylistically Charles is going to do really well here because I don't think he's concerned about going to the ground and I don't think he's in there with a fighter that can hang with him on the feet. So, I got Charles round two, TKO. Yeah, I I believe Gaethje said that Charles has been the hardest puncher that he's faced. You know, yeah. and I know, you know, we think that that's, you know, most people think that that's, you know, fairly surprising with who he's faced, but Charles is so free to put a hundred percent behind all of his shots because he's so unafraid of being taken to the ground. Right. So, you know, he's not worried about keeping a base to not get taken down. So he's also going to have the reach on Makachev, He's more technical striker. He's not afraid to get taken down, like I just said. You now, Makachev has so much hype behind him, but a lot of that comes from his camp, which obviously they're going to champion their fighter for sure. But, you know, Josh Thompson and DC and their coach, can't remember off the top of my name, but they're obviously going to be stands for their fighter. So that's who a lot of that hype is coming from. He hasn't faced nearly the 
level of competition that Oliveira's faced, especially like his last six fights, seven fights or so. And not only has Charles been dominating, but he's been finishing these guys. So this is a giant step up in competition for Islam. I don't know if he or his camp really realizes how much of a step up it is. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say Oliveira gets a finish. I'm not sure if it'll be a sub or a KO. I really see him. He could do either. It really depends on if Islam engages with him in the striking. I don't think he's going to be as apt. I think he gets touched maybe once and then you see him diving for takedowns over and over again and then he gets caught on the ground somewhere. I'll say he makes it to round two and and we see a sub when he starts diving for takedowns. So I'm going to go with Oliveira. I'll say he gets to the back rear naked choke round two. I hope that we're correct because I just think Charles is such an exciting fighter and I really love this guy. And I actually, I'm, it's nothing against Islam, but I'm just a little more curious about the matchups that we could see with Charles. I want to see that Darius match. And the more I think about it, I want to see that Volkanovski match too. So I, I hope we get all of that within the next year. I think Oz- Islam could definitely be champ. I just think that Charles is a bad matchup for him, you know, yeah. stylistically. So if it was anyone else, I would give Islam a much better chance. But yeah, that's how I felt too when we were talking about Volkanovski. I know it's just, I feel like Volkanovski, I don't know. In some ways, like it's just interesting because Charles had like, he, he's willing to take damage. So yeah. you, I feel like you have a higher puncher's chance against him sometimes but he's just that means he's putting out more damage too though yeah yeah you don't know when that shit's gonna go at some point too though that's true that's true he has been sat down in all of you know not all of them but almost all of these exciting recent fights he's been sat down hasn't been able to be finished so i don't think islam's the guy to do it though i just don't see him laying out and knocking out cold charles if he does you know i'm on the hype train though you know, everyone's yeah. oh, been talking yeah. about how great he is. This is his opportunity to prove it for sure. So Absolutely. looking forward to it. It'll prelims start at 10 and the main card starts at 2 p.m. Eastern. So thank you to Abu Dhabi, Dana, UFC for uh, you know saving us some sleep. <laughs> Do you want to get into the schedule? Yeah. You got anything right. else to add? All right. Yeah. So October 29th, UFC Fight Night Cater versus Allen. Plus, we'll talk a little bit about Jake Paul and Anderson Silva. Then the next week, November 5th, UFC Fight Night Thug Nasty. Bryce Mitchell needs to find an opponent, but I'm sure they're going to get that figured out probably this week. And then November 12th, UFC 281, Adesanya versus Pierre from MSG. And then also our collab we've been doing with Cage My IQ, our next interview that he has had with UFC Bantamweight, Adrian Yanez. Keep an eye out for that. That'll be releasing soon on the Working Fans YouTube. That's it. All right, guys. It'll be a great card this weekend. Check it out. More UFC bangers coming at you. Till next week, we're out. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at Gmail. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then, as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 